0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Serve Denton Weekly, where every week, we talk with local leaders who are on the front lines of solving some of Denton's most pressing issues. And today, we are definitely talking about someone on the front line of a pressing issue. Today, I'm having a conversation with Dr. Jason Siegel, who's the Medical Director of Health Services of North Texas, one of Serve Denton's biggest partners. And today, we are talking all things COVID because There are new developments around the coronavirus, around the COVID pandemic, that I think are worth talking about. Things are changing both for the better and for the worse with the new variants and the vaccines coming out. And there's so much information and disinformation out there. It can be really overwhelming. I know it is for me. It's hard to know who to listen to, what you can trust. So I just wanted to talk to a doctor, and not just any doctor, the medical director of a local health center like Dr. Siegel. And I'm telling you, this conversation is full of so much gold. It's full of great information. And I hope you find it as helpful as I did when I had it with him just a couple of days ago. So with all that said, let's dive into this conversation. And if you find it helpful, please share it. I think this is something that people need to hear. Share it on your social media, text it to a friend or family member. I think it'll help a lot of people. So let's dive in. I'm here on Zoom with the medical director of health services of North Texas, Dr. Jason Siegel. Dr. Siegel, Thank you so much for coming on and talking with me today. My pleasure. So there is obviously a lot going on with um, the COVID pandemic right now. We're kind of in the middle of a lot of new things happening, and I want to I want to talk about a lot of that here in just a few minutes. But first off. Everyone has had kind of their own experience with this pandemic and this virus in one way or the other, whether they've gotten it or not gotten it or shut down or pretending like there's nothing going on. Um, Everyone's had kind of their own experience. I want to hear from you from a doctor's perspective. What has this last year been like for you dealing with this pandemic?
1: Yeah, it's it's been a really um, I mean, just like every every person in the world, it's been a really crazy ride. As a physician, it's been a mixture of um, excitement uh, as well as, you know, anguish to see what's, what's happened around us. Um, you know, as, as physicians, we, we study and train to, to try to ease suffering and to give, you know, good answers to people about you know, their health and make good recommendations. And the quickness with which this came really has challenged um, medical professionals to to know what to say to, to our patients. And they have great questions, and they're the same questions that the physicians have. And the information isn't, you know, it's just not readily available. And we found this out in the very beginning of the pandemic when, you know, do we need to worry about this? You know, and for a week it's like, oh, I don't think it's going to be. And then CDC says, no, I think it's okay. And then a week later, no, no, it's here. We, we, we've got a big problem Is Well, should hmm. we wear masks? no, I don't don't know that we need to wear masks, and then masks don't really help. And then, you know, now we know very, very clearly that masks are critical. Um, And so that kind of of difficulty in being able to give really poignant information to people um, has made it a challenge. Um, Treating patients has made it a challenge. But again, I want to say challenge in in a good way. It's exciting to be at the forefront of something and to be, you know, keeping up with everything that's happening and trying to find out how you can best apply that uh, to the patients that you see, and so, um, you know, I, I keep that sort of in the back of my head because that's what kind of keeps me going through it when it gets when it gets really hard. We've seen, uh, you know, we've had so many people that work with us, their families directly affected, death. Um, almost everybody that, that I work with has had COVID. You know, we run a COVID clinic we, uh, you know, every day in one of our health centers, and you know, we just see so many families being being disrupted by this. Um, the the biggest challenge, I think, has been trying to explain to people that it's real and that the recommendations that are being made, uh, where they may be wishy-washy at times, um, you know, the general the general theme has not changed. That that hand washing and social distancing and face mask wearing you know, makes a big difference. And trying to encourage people and, and remind people and dissuade a lot of the the, the misinformation that is so uh, sensationalized that people just love to, to grab a hold of, um, and trying to bring it back down to to what we know as, as science and, and medicine.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And first of all, I mean, you guys, like you said, every you know, most of the people that you've worked with have come down with COVID at some point, and you guys are putting yourselves out there on the front lines to treat these people and putting yourself. You're not in a lot of ways. It's hard to do a lot of those things, and so I just want to first thank you for what you guys have been doing and the way you've been treating people, because right. I know you're putting yourselves at risk doing that, but you're helping people in the process. And so, first of all, before we say anything else, thank you for for doing that. It's my pleasure. Really. I think one of the most alarming uh, updates that I can, that I know of right now is that we're finding out about all these new strains. The first one happened in the UK. And then last I, I heard this strain has been found here in Denton County. And so tell, I don't know. I don't even really know how much we know and we don't know about it. Tell us about this new strain. What do we know? What don't we know? And how should we be responding to, to this strain of it?
1: So, so first of all, we're really, you know, the, the UK strain that is, is sort of rapidly becoming the most widely um, spread strain in, in the United Kingdom is here. Uh, but we've also got a Brazilian strain and a South African strain. And those are circulating in over fifty countries, um, and we have we have varying degrees of information about about those. The the UK strain, um, I've read the I've read the data that, that was presented in the UK, and um, you know it's it's just preliminary data. Um, it's very difficult to make large statements, and so the statements that I hear are it's more deadly and it's more contagious and and i think mm-hmm. that you know when i look at that data um directly um it looks like it it may be you know it's it's kind of like in the early stages of the pandemic when it's like well it this may be you know we don't have enough data to to say that for sure um it may be more contagious it's a reasonable it's a completely reasonable thought that what the data is showing may may lead to to a more contagious strain um and so that i mean that should be that should certainly send off an, a, a warning sign to people, right? So we have something that we already know has claimed, you know, half a million lives. Um, what does this mean? You know, so I think there's a couple things, ways to think about that. And without going into Brazil or South, uh, South Africa's strain, because I really know very, even less about that. Um, what I do know is a couple of things. Uh, face masks and social distancing and hand washing. Uh, they they still are the biggest thing we can do to to protect ourselves and, more importantly, to, to reduce the spread of a virus, of any virus in our communities, right? We know this is true. Look at the influenza numbers this year, right? This time of year, in almost every other flu season, we would have already had 65,000 people who've, who've contracted the flu. We've only had a couple thousand people. And it doesn't appear to be because... Uh, we've had such a dramatic increase in vaccination or you know or that the flu hid this year that it's unlikely Um, although we have had more flu vaccines luckily Um, but we know those measures work and so i would say wear a mask right we we need we need to continue doing this we're going to need to continue doing this regardless of the vaccine for several more months to prevent more deaths more infections the numbers that I've read from the new CDC director suggest that if we continue to mask through July, it should give us enough time to vaccinate a larger number of people. And we could probably save about 20 million uh, infections, which is a lot mm. of people. Um, and so, so that's the first thing I would say. The second thing uh, that I would say, because I know we'll get to vaccine, is that when when I've looked at uh, for, so particularly for Moderna and Pfizer's vaccines, when they're looking at this UK variant, they they uh, they show that it doesn't protect. And that's that's not the way to put it. Your body doesn't mount as much of a uh, immune response to the UK variant, so maybe it's three times less to that particular variant's protein. Okay. But the thing is, that's still far beyond the minimum needed to protect you from disease, from, from severe disease. Mm. So when you hear when you hear in the news that it's it's less effective, that, that is true. If you're looking at, you know, here's the full level of protection from for the the what we call the wild type or the, the, the original circulating virus, and then the variant's only this much, well, that's true. But if you only need this much to prevent severe disease, then it's it's not it's not all that big of a deal i know i don't think i know Moderna is looking at ways to um, possibly use boosters for some of the other strains brazil and south africa particularly but it appears that from what i've looked at that they're pretty confident that that the uk strain will be adequately covered by our current vaccine
0: that makes sense because you know we've already been living with flu vaccines with 60 70 percent effective rates and you know these vaccines are at 90 95 so if it's less you're still above that threshold in order to to be protected in a reasonable way from these viruses so that's that's good to know with the new variants yeah it feels a little i think go for it
1: i think it's important
0: i think it's important because you know what
1: i what i would hate to see happen is that people feel a sense of frustration um, and they decide well it's just not worth it right we have this new variant and now it's not effective and why even get the vaccine like i would hate to think and i think people's minds can go that direction and certainly sometimes you know it can it can be led that way depending on what you what you hear what you read um so i would use it more of a you know we are in a we are at uh, we are poised to make a difference to change the direction of this pandemic and the things that have gotten us to this point we need to continue it you know we're not over yet and so this new variant i think of it as a you know, if you weren't masking before mask, you know, if, you know, if you if you've had it, you know, if you had it six months ago, you had COVID six months ago, you, you can get it again. And so mask, um, you know, avoid crowds, all, all these same things. It's like this mantra that, that people are tired of hearing because it's unpopular and it's not fun, but it, it, it's un, it's necessary.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it kind of feels like deja vu a little bit of where we don't know as much about these viruses, kind of like we didn't know much about the original virus. But the the advantage we have is the hindsight of we know what works and just keep doing the things that work in order to take care of this virus, even though there's unknowns about it. Just keep doing what we've been doing because we know it's effective. Yes. And I want to talk about the vaccines a little bit. You know, at the beginning of this, you mentioned um Just even some of the misinformation that's around um uh, kind of the whole thing but including the vaccines you know talking to people the vaccines are starting to roll out people i'm sure are asking you questions about it what are some of the most common hesitations or questions that you've heard from people about the vaccines and then how would you respond to some of the things that you've been hearing
1: yeah so my patients ask me all the time um, a if i'm going to get it and b all kinds of questions about it so the you know some of my some of the ones that i've heard that I, I i think they're good questions but that i i enjoy talking about um i've had several people ask me if they should get it because they're worried it'll change their dna hmm. um, you know they're they're worried that they've read that it gets into your cells and changes your dna or if you're if you're a, a woman of childbearing age it might change your 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 eggs or affect your ability to reproduce normally and um and I like talking about that because it, it allows me to talk about how novel this vaccine is. Um, as an, It's an mRNA vaccine. And so we've never had anything like this before. It's, it's really, really cool. So in every cell of your body, um, you've got you know, the, the, the brain of the cell, so to speak, the nucleus. And then inside, outside of it are all the you know machines that make the cell work. And, and one of those uh, makes protein. And our body is made of proteins. And so the way that it gets that message of what protein to make comes from something called mRNA. It's a it's an inert thing. And so what we've done is created a way to get an mRNA of of the virus into the cell so that we can tell the cell, hey, make this so that our body knows exactly what it looks like ahead of time. Um, It's and then and then pump it out into the body. It's really elegant, and I think it will change the way that we do vaccines, and I actually think we will have uh, treatments, if not cures, for diseases that we've never had before because of this technology. And so so it can't affect your DNA because it doesn't go into the part of the cell that has the DNA. Um, So that's that's the first thing that I I like to talk to people about and try to dispel that myth. Um, You cannot get COVID, you cannot get the virus from the vaccine. same conversation we have with the flu. Can't get the flu from the flu vaccine. But you can certainly get sick or have symptoms of a sickness. And so, like I told you when we started, I received my second dose of the Moderna vaccine on Monday night. And um, when I got the first vaccine, my arm was kind of sore, and I was fine. Um, and the, the second I was... Um, leveled uh, by about 12 hours after i had a 102 fever chills headache muscle aches um and i was so excited that that was happening because i know that that's my body the immune system doing exactly what what we know the vaccine can do which is rev my immune system up and produce exactly what i need to be protected from the virus um, hmm. that's it you know that's that's what I would tell anybody. Don't don't be you know don't be afraid of the side effects. The side effects are are the vaccine doing what it does. It's not it's not lethal. Um, you know, in all of these studies, uh, there were more side effects after the second dose, but but most of them resolved within you know forty eight to seventy two hours, and almost none required hospitalization, and very few even required you know Tylenol or pain medication. Um, you know, so. So it is still very well worth the risk. And I'm sitting here today talking to you, I'm exhausted. It's my day to recover uh, from this rather than go to work. And so, um, yeah, it took me out a little bit, but um, but man, unlike COVID, people that get COVID and they're in my office every two weeks for respiratory problems that persist for three months. You know, it's like, you know, there's no decision to be made there in my mind. It's if you can get the vaccine, you should get the vaccine. Any vaccine. It doesn't matter which one's available. There's there's soon to be probably four available, um, and I would get whichever one you can get as soon as you can get it.
0: Mm. It's you know taking that short you know get the vaccine, take a day off because you're out, and then get back on rather than risk getting the actual thing that's going to take you out a lot longer. Absolutely, I think in my conversations with people and even things I see on social media, one of the biggest um, uh, kind of questions that comes up about it is that. For some people i think they think that this vaccine feels a bit rushed you know um a lot of vaccines take a decade or more in order to come to market this one took a year or less how would you respond to someone with that question wondering how do we know it's effective because it, it happens so fast there's something i've got to tell you about on February 9th, it will be ServDenton's ninth birthday. That's nine years of partnering with nonprofits to help make their services more accessible for people in need. We know that last year was difficult, to say the least, for everyone. But at ServDenton, we kept running for over 20 nonprofits to thrive, and we made it easy for thousands of people to find help. And here's the deal. We're at the end of our capital campaign. The served didn't on loop 288 has been a beacon of hope for so many people, especially over this past year, the whole project cost $10.1 million. And thanks to so many generous donors and investors, we only have 1.2 million left. That's incredible. And to wrap it up, we need your help. If we don't wrap this up now, we can't expand to meet the huge increased demand that we know is coming this year. So if you wanna help wrap this capital campaign up, go to servedittenorg legacy to make a pledge today. And if you're not ready, that's okay. You can still schedule a tour and come see it for yourself. That's when the magic happens. What if your gift to serve Dentin would help people for generations to come? you could leave a lasting legacy. Go to servditton.org slash legacy today to make a pledge or schedule a tour.
1: Yeah, well, there's lots of different ways to answer that. How do we know it's effective? We only know it's effective in the studies that were done directly on it. And that's where you get, like you said, 95% effective. you know, we mRNA technology is not new. It's not like, it's not like mRNA. It's not like scientists just thought this year about working with mRNA in terms of therapeutics. This is something that has been um, studied and pushed. There's, there's some orphan drugs that I think have made use of some, some aspects of mRNA technology. So, so it does, it does feel rushed. And Thank God it it was you know, I kind of look at it both ways, mm-hmm. like you know, if we had to endure what we're you know if five hundred thousand turned into a million dead, then you know I would have wished we had it faster. Um, you know, so I think that you know rushed, I mean yeah, sometimes when things get rushed, they're not you well, know maybe as high quality as they should be. I don't think that's always the case, you know, I think that the people who are doing this have the good of mankind at heart. I don't think it is a um, a money generating thing. I think it's a, we need to respond to this. We we know that after the the flu pandemic in the early part of the century, you know, if, if they could have rolled out a flu vaccine rapidly, you know, the flu vaccine we have today, if they could have rolled it out rapidly, millions of people, millions over the world would not have died.
0: Mm. Like you said, the vaccine requires two doses. You are, you just got your second one and I just want to know how how long does it take for those vaccines to take an effect and create immunity. I mean, you just got your second one. Are you immune today, or does that take some time to kick in, or or how does that work?
1: Yeah. So um, vaccines invoke a response from your immune system. And your immune system kind of it's kind of like um, it's kind of like a military operation. So you know, you've got your first line of defense. Your your body has an innate immune system, and it's kind of like you ever watch Game of Thrones?
0: I haven't, but I'm You're familiar happy? enough well, with it. Yeah.
1: Well, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like just a, a mob, right? Like the, it's just indiscriminate, like anything that's foreign, like get every gun we have and just start firing. And, and that's the initial response that you get that gives you these, these symptoms, these side effects of the, of the vaccine. So that happens rapidly. and Your body um, is built with that and it's, it's indiscriminate. It doesn't have any knowledge of what exactly it's looking for. It's just out to kill anything foreign to try to keep you safe. So that's a good thing. So that happens quickly, but it takes about two weeks for your body to, because because well, while it's killing things, it's, it's sampling them, right? So it's like, it's killing the invaders, but it's also like taking one hostage and taking it back and like studying it and figuring out what exactly it has to make and do to prevent it ever causing any problem again. And, the, and that's your antibodies. So your antibody response is delayed. It takes longer. And so um, in the studies, I think it was two weeks at two weeks after dose one of Moderna, I believe it was 57% effective. Um, And at two weeks after the second shot, it was like 95 or 97, depending on which people you include in in the mix. Um, And that's because of the, the time it takes for your body to, to produce enough of those specific antibodies and have them sort of ready. Your body has um, memory cells in the immune system that sort of house the whole library of any foreign invader that you've ever seen. And so if it ever sees it again, it can rapidly turn on that production and pump back out the antibodies very, very quickly to make a targeted approach rather than that,
0: you know all out firebomb that it does
1: when it first sees it.
0: Hmm. so when, that happens. I mean, let's say, okay, it's a month from now, two weeks from now, you've, you have gotten all the way up to as effective as the vaccine is going to be. What can we expect life to look like after we get on the other side of that? I mean, are we are we going to Target without masks now? Are we eating at a restaurant? I mean, what, or should we expect things to be kind of more the same, even though we have the vaccine? What, what does life look like once we get it?
1: I, I think for the near future it looks much the same i think that and that's largely because of the time it takes to vaccinate a sufficient amount of the population to be able to turn the corner on this so uh, i think as of a week or so ago about six percent of the population has been vaccinated with at least one dose so not complete vaccination so at least one dose six percent um The flu vaccine numbers every year hover somewhere around 50%, you know, to be able to make those turns. So so we need time to vaccinate enough people to where we can start seeing changes that will tell us that we can start lowering our defenses. And so those changes are going to be really two things, um, hospitalizations and and death. And so the, the really great thing is that in all the in all the studies of all the vaccines, people who received uh, two doses of the vaccines, none of them died from COVID compared to the ones who didn't.
0: Mm. And
1: so, you know, death is death's the thing most of us are all trying to avoid. Number one, right? Um, you know, obviously, um, <laughs> right? You know, but but from a public health perspective, hospitalizations is is just right beneath that because. As you've heard about, and, and, and in Denton it hasn't, we've had a couple peaks where, where it was really, really bad. But you, know, you look at places like Los Angeles or New York, they're so, their medical system is so overrun with dealing with COVID, whether it's death or just COVID related illness, that it has, it has severely limited the ability to take care of, of patients. Because keep in mind, it's not like the rest of the illnesses in the world Got the memo that COVID was out there and they just laid low for the year so that we could deal with COVID. No, you've still got every broken ankle and heart failure and all these things that need hospital-level care. And so our medical system is just strapped, it's pushed to its limit. And, and as and, and so we, we have to make sure that in the months that are coming, while we're while we're ramping up vaccination in our population, that we are keeping. As efficient as we can with our, our our medical system, our hospital system primarily, so that we can try to mitigate it as much of an overrun as possible. So that's where that's why I think that mask wearing and I, again I think I said the CDC reported it um, or the CDC director stated that she was expecting probably through July,
0: and, and I don't know how many they
1: they will actually have vaccinated by then, but that that seems very reasonable to me. Um, the masking. Issue, I don't think it's going to go away. I think the data, just the flu data. I mean, think about before COVID, influenza was—you know—everyone's like, "Oh, I got the flu," but like, lots of people died. No, nowhere near the number of people died of COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, but we had lots of deaths from from um, influenza every year, and we're not seeing it. You know, so we have a largely—you vac- know—at least half of our population vaccinated against flu. And you're wearing a mask, and we're not seeing cases of flu. I mean, if we didn't have COVID, it would be like victory, right? We, it would be incredible. And so part of me thinks that we may end up as a society transitioning to more mask wearing, maybe not mandated mask wearing. Maybe everyone will, at some point when this is not so, so heated or, or political or, or poignant, will be able to step back and go, man, you know, common sense. People that were sick, you know, around lots of people wore masks and and we had less people getting ill seems like a good idea um there's other other countries asian countries that that sort of that's that's how they live right you if you were coughing in public without a mask you would you know you people would look at you like what is wrong with you you know it's a social expectation of 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 concern and, and well-being for the people around you and i think that's something that sadly we have we have Missed in a lot of ways. There's been a lot of people focusing on their individual rights to to do or not do something, which I think is fine. But it kind of misses the forest of the trees. You know, there's a large. You know, these are our these are our fellow citizens. Right, we have some responsibility. I think um, beyond just to ourselves.
0: It'll be interesting to see how things go when kind of the dust settles around all of this and what society looks like. You know, I, I hate to have to confess that before COVID I, I was not that health conscious of a person. And my wife can tell you that because she is, but that has changed over the past year. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know what life will look like on the other side of it, but I can definitely see myself uh, retaining a lot of that health consciousness yeah. that I had to, had to gain over this past year.
1: Everyone's got kind of a crash course in, uh, in public health and infectious disease and, you know, whatever's whatever's hot at the time, you know, everyone circulates it on public social media and you know, everyone's got an idea and opinion. I think it's great. I, I think it's, you know, the more we all know, the better we can take care of each other and, and move forward as a society, provided that we you know, are trusting the right information.
0: Absolutely. Well, and that's why I'm glad we're having you on today because we want to help get that information out there I just want to wrap up, just, I think there's two sides of the same coin with this because there's obviously you who are you know, the medical workers on the front lines, like we said at the beginning, who are overwhelmed by a lot of this that is going on, and then there's, there's us who need to you know, be protected from this as well. What is the most helpful thing that we can do for you, the medical workers, the frontline workers, and for ourselves while this vaccine rolls out through the rest of the year?
1: Yeah, I think the, in terms of healthcare workers, I think the most helpful and respectful thing that the public can do is to wear masks and try, you know, try to keep themselves, do what's within their power to try to keep themselves healthy. It reduces the burdens on the medical system at large, whether you're a frontline ER doctor or you're in the ICU or you're you know, a dermatologist in your office. It, it it allows the, the medical system to continue to serve all of the needs rather than having to focus so much resource just on coronavirus. If we could prevent more people getting it just by simply wearing masks and, and practicing, you know, the restrictions or the, the asks that our that our states are asking us, um, I think that it would be incredibly respectful and helpful. There's nothing there's nothing worse than You know trying to to take care of patients who don't want to take care of themselves you know Mm. and so to try to to try to give the best advice that you can and, and implore people to you know consider what you're saying and and see how it fits into your life and then to see them not follow it and then when they get covid come to you and want help and of course we're there right we're i mean You know, it's no different than, you know, smoking, right? We tell people they should quit smoking and still going to take care of them when they get lung cancer. Um, It's not, it's not meant to be punitive, but, but it is, you know, if you're asking, I mean, I think that, I think that's what, I think that's what doctors and nurses and all frontline medical staff wish is that you would just, we would all do what we can do, right? The vaccine is coming. There's going to be relief, you know, it would be such a help to our nation if everybody would do that and then as far as what we can do for ourselves i mean is that what you asked yeah i I think that's that's probably the same thing you know i I think it helps us all you know i don't uh, some people have not been directly touched by covid um in the same way i think at this point everybody knows somebody who's had it um i think maybe not but hard for me to say i'm biased everyone i know has has had covid but but when you get around people who have been disproportionately affected—Hispanic uh, populations, African American populations—and they've got multiple family members that have died this year, it is so sobering and and sad. It stops being numbers of people on a on a on a, on a Buzzfeed or something that you're watching. It it becomes a person in their family and how they grieve and. Um, You know, I just don't want to see that for anybody. The patients that I have, that I'm counseling um, during my visits now who have lost their husbands or children during this pandemic. And they're trying to figure out how to put their lives back together. Every single one of these people um, are a resounding reason why we should be doing everything we can to take care of ourselves. Because, you know, but by the grace of God, do I. And, you know, we have things at our needs. We just have to use them.
0: Absolutely. Well, Dr. Siegel, thank you so much for coming on and talking about this. Such an important thing, and what y'all are doing over at HSMT is amazing. I was talking to Terry on the phone the other day, trying to, you know, set all this up, and she was telling me the amount of phone calls you guys get every single day, and the the amount of people that you're helping is amazing. And you're doing great work in our community. I just want to say thank you again, and um, yeah, I appreciate you coming on and sharing all this with us. It's very important. Well, thank
1: you for thank you for inviting me, and and having a conversation
0: with me. It's good to see you. You too, anytime. I don't know about you, but I think there's things in there that make me feel hopeful. The fact that the vaccine is as effective as it is, is quite frankly, a a modern miracle. Thankfully, I'm healthy and there's lots of people who need it more than I do, but I'm excited to get it and hopefully start to see life feel a little bit more normal. And so I just want to say thank you to Dr. Siegel and everyone over at HSNT who is putting themselves at risk to help so many people. They're doing an amazing work and I encourage you to go check them out on their website healthservicesntx.org be sure that you subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode when it comes out every Monday. This podcast is the least exciting thing that is made possible by hometown heroes just like you. We would love to show you everything that's happening at the It Center. Just go to our website, serveditton.org, click schedule a tour, and we would love to show you around. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week you want to do the intro anything you want to say in the intro to the people who are listening I think they'll appreciate that.